welcome to Profitable Powerhouse Properties with Jonathan Cook. And with me as always, Brian Jenkins. Good afternoon, everyone. How are you, Brian? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm doing well. How about you? I'm, I'm actually really excited for this, this episode. And I know we don't have any guests today, everyone. I enjoyed well, our you're last. You're my guest. I, you're your my guest. guest absolutely. Yeah. The, the last episode that that uh, we did that was just Brian and myself. I listened to it twice, not narcissistically, because I liked what we were talking about, and I, I like that. You know, we're not talking about a specific vendor. It lets us get into the more specifics of how we operate as a team, and so that helps investors have expectations. Or, or homeowners have expectations for what should my property manager be doing for me? How, how does that look? What does what an investment in, in real estate look like from every aspect of it? What are, what are, what are all the nuts and bolts? How do we operate in this capacity? And, and I realized that our last episode that was just us two, it was really kind of a factory reset. Hey, everybody, this is what our podcast is about. This is some of the stuff that we do. And then, you know, there was some specific COVID conversation but there was a part that we were like ah, we'll have to go deeper into that and i'm like well this is the time let's do it let's dive a little bit deeper into actual operations during covid well, we are deep in we are the currently COVID, still in the covid crisis so. we are swimming in masks it's great fantastic so let's talk about you know how covid has impacted us on a day-to-day basis some of the new rules that that are constantly changing i think the last episode we're talking about one change for it but i think we've just had a recent change with the way we can evict and oh yeah everything our 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 abilities to hold someone accountable are being vastly changed on a seems like at least financially so that's that's the ticket right now is the financial accountability so it is uh yeah, I think we even mentioned, you know, just using the the analogy of the property manager coming into COVID was managing with one arm tied behind your back. Mm-hmm. There's a defeated moment when multiple legislation comes at you and you feel like I've got both hands tied behind my back. And, I, and I'll be honest, I can't even imagine an individual owner that's trying to do this on their own and keep up with everything because we've got attorneys in five markets. We've got a property management mastermind. Uh, we've got NARPM. We've got our pack. I mean, we've got so much uh, coming together. Even, even and if you are, by the way, hats off. What are you doing? Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I even found a great resource in, in NAR this week. Yeah. Uh, National Association of Realtors that I sent out there. Yeah. It was, and it was helpful. It's just a blurb, but it, uh, so you, you have different organizations lobbying uh, for the benefit of our, uh, our listeners as investors mm-hmm. and property owners, as well as the residents, because gosh, it just seems like everything that's being done over the last several months benefits one or the other, but not necessarily both at the same time. And, and even nothing now, is fitting both. No, it's kicking the can down the road. And then let's re, let's 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 relook at this in January. No, yeah, January is going to become That's, something else. What are we doing? <laughs> Fix it now, uh, please. The only thing we're doing right now, in my opinion, is what the first well, the first kicking of the can was four months. Yeah. So, so we're 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 staying consistent, and if we stay consistent with that, when January rolls around, it will probably go through April. Yeah, of course. Um, which uh, you know it's. 
it, it's just painful. Start, start um, over again. One of the things that I have been doing is I, I teach a class on key performance indicators or metrics and basically what you should know regarding property management business and how to grow it. And I've added some metrics due to COVID and a lot of what we've added revolves around percentage of rent collected month to date, previous month collections after the month has passed and even into the second month as you're working through payment agreements and tracking those metrics for our investors and for our own knowledge. So just something we wouldn't necessarily have tracked, even if you tracked a percentage of rent yeah. collected per date through the month, mm -hmm. you wouldn't have done the other as, yeah. as effectively as we're doing right now. So, and then we were looking at that in software earlier today and I was like, Oh, okay. That, Cause I've never, I've number. never, it was a big number, but, but just the way that they were stacked together, just the ordering of what that report had in it. Mm -hmm. I'd never looked at those three factors uh, of the delinquency, the vacancy, and then the previous month collections added to just the way the order of right. the way that that was presented. It's, it's a really, it's, it's kind of that benchmarking point of, oh, well, this, this is good because we are showing that we've collected more than what our delinquency and vacancy uh, cost was. Yeah, well, you're, which, which is great. So what, and I guess what we're getting at is, so we were having a discussion with a software company earlier and uh, property management software, and we were dialing in on property-based reporting versus portfolio-based. Mm -hmm. And then once we, we got into that discussion, because we'll, we do both, because we used to do software systems, but the portfolio-based product, to Jonathan's point, it gives you basically a, a cash flow summary mm -hmm. in which you're looking at areas for the entire portfolio. How's the entire portfolio yeah. performing versus breaking it down on a micro level on the other software to say, how's this individual property performing? While both are important, you can sometimes operate better if you're looking at the, what I would consider the 10,000 foot view of the portfolio. You know, how's the vacancy? How's rent collected? Mm -hmm. How's back rent collected? How's delinquency? Maintenance cost? Ending up at the NOI. Yeah, basically. And then even with that summary report, it gives us the ability to zero in on several areas that we can actually improve upon, no matter how good we think we're doing. We can yeah. always we get one just right and then we need a little extra attention on another. So the more you focus on that. It's that efficiency. Just it is that efficiency. And for, and for large portfolios like that, we're focusing on that on a, on a weekly basis. So yeah. we're we're refined in and we're giving our best performance all the time. And you get a moment to breathe after you've done that reporting for a couple of hours and then it's right back at it again. So, so I, I think that, I guess the point is if you have a, a larger portfolio and you're trying to do the micro reporting, you're tying up a lot of, not only your time, but your, your property management partner's time. Yes. Because you can come back with a million questions and they all are important. However, it's easier to dive in and just look at that 10,000 foot view and then allow us to report on the minute details and then take all of it into consideration and know, yes, I can just set a view. I can tell I can work a little harder on delinquency or I can, you know, maybe I need to reduce my, my general maintenance cost or my term cost or, you know, whatever you want to focus on. And I think that 10,000 foot view that we're talking about here, this, this, that was okay. So when we were preparing to do this, this episode, it was kind of, 
what do we want to talk about operations in COVID is kind of like your your overview of how we want to do this. And then we we I know in the last two or three days you and I have talked about little things like that, that's a really good five minute segment that would probably be in a podcast. Oh, that's a good five minute segment in a podcast. Yeah, it's like a, is it a segment or a standalone? It's a standalone. It's like, I don't think we can make a full episode out of that. But what I want to get to because that's that's the thing that I find super super interesting that I don't know how often we've gone completely through this is the 10,000 foot view of, of how to look at your portfolio, how to look at your individual property versus your portfolio, what we see in the differences between the two, because the way that we've had to start doing reporting and the way that we've had the different amount of reports we've had to pull since COVID and letting us that, like hmm. evaluate all your differences here. And, and, and we've had, I mean, the discussion we were having earlier is a perfect example of this because we have the individual owners that are having come apart when they've had two months of, of missed rent due to COVID. And we're like, yeah, but this client or this tenant has been an excellent tenant for, you know, four or five years. And this is clearly this issue. This is, this is not something that you need to freak out about. It's a, we need to handle it as it's coming. We need to operate with a human perspective on it. But so like, you can't, you can't dial down into every single second. Don't micromanage what's happening here. Right. Let like, let's look at all of these from a 10,000 foot view. You've got to take everything into account and then focus on what we can fix and what is the best items to address and, and move forward with. So that, that was kind of like my big picture kind of aha moment. My, mm -hmm. and we're not to golden nuggets or final thoughts, not even close or, 10 minutes in, we got a long yeah, way to go, but, to go. but that was kind of that, like that spark of that's kind of the path that I want to go down in, in, in this episode is, okay. is, is what are, what are all those factors that we're seeing that have been different that, that maybe make investors or, or homeowners kind of, or even other PMs kind of look at things. What have we changed in strategies? What is, what is our 10,000 foot view of, a single property, a portfolio, what are the operations actually looking like nowadays? I want to eventually get into the TPPR okay. and how we're, how we're handling that, yep. because I think that's a good thing to look at from whether you're an owner or what you are. I mean, it's a, it's a good operation, I think. It's a good operation and thought for anyone that, that owns investment property to look at, at least the way that we have defined it. Right. And the, and the, the operation the understanding process. the process behind it as to how it's beneficial long-term, not just immediate mm -hmm. increase in revenue for an owner, uh, but also how that how that sets up. So, so I think um, probably the most significant thing initially we had, and we've talked about this on other episodes we've done, I think we even talked about it during our, our mastermind panel that we did mm -hmm. on Facebook and recorded. But ultimately, the first impact that we had was obviously access in and out of our office, how we access properties, you know, what is the delay, if any, after a tenant moves out before we're into the property, how does that affect the operation? And just as we work to understand COVID a little better, along with all the information that's being pushed out there, just understanding how we can not only protect ourselves, protect our vendors, protect prospects who are viewing the properties, just make it as safe for everybody as we can. So that was the immediate impact that we saw. And, and, and we had the episode with Tenant Turner. We talked about the, the self-viewings, the self-showings, mm -hmm. 
the unaccompanied children, something else. We, we decided that we liked that language the best. Yeah. But I mean, and we had done that prior to. But I think when that hit, that was one of those first immediate things. We're like, oh, it's a good thing we yeah, did that. that. Like, wow, yeah. super instantaneous. Which we saw the benefit outside of COVID initially to begin with. But during this, and a good example as to why you deploy some of those systems in advance because we had no idea at the time. We just knew that in in practice and in case study of other property management firms, that it was it was something that would increase uh, our activity on the leasing front, reduce days on market, reduce some of that friction on the front end. So we we are always working toward that goal. But that was just one of those. I mean, that was immediate value. We didn't have to scramble and create all these policies and how we're going to adjust from accompanying showings unaccompanied showings and, and how, i think we make that all work and our initial my initial thought on it before any of the unaccompanied showings needed to happen during the COVID, were just the ability to show properties or have someone show their show their self a property outside of our business hours that was such a huge concept before we did it like I mean, what would I do if I was going to go look for a property? I don't get out of here till well. And I've five, said, six, you know what? There's several things around the decision to do it, but one of them was listening to one of our leasing agents be on the phone and trying to set up an appointment with somebody. Well, no, I, I can't do it at that time. I've got another appointment. How about this day? How yeah. about this time? And then when you take all that away and you let somebody view it on their schedule, you know the, I mean, it just creates an opportunity for them to view the property whenever they feel like it on their schedule. Mm -hmm. And that's as a society we're we're going towards a self-service yeah. model anyway. So, but the other thing is, you know, the first resistance point for, for an individual owner might be, well, I don't know that I like somebody being in my house. What if they come back and, and take all my appliances, for instance. And I looked at case study on that and it was such a low percentage that it was, uh, it was an acceptable risk. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you after about 14 months now of doing this, we've had zero. Goose egg. Goose egg. It's my favorite. No, no issues across five different marketplaces doing this uh, large scale, moving a lot of volume and uh, had, had no problems. I mean, the occasional hiccup that we get is a battery's going out on a code box. Or someone doesn't have a, a smartphone yeah. that, that can walk them through the process, yeah. which we can, we can, the good thing is we can grant access via text and, and they're one-time showing kind of situation. We can, and if, uh, if for whatever reason the code box is, is malfunction, we'll go replace it and we can meet them there and allow them access to yeah. the at the same time. So Yeah, I mean, we can make it work. This is just another tool in our toolbox to use for as long as it's working properly and, and we've done everything that we need to do to begin with, it operates very smoothly. It, it's, it's saved way more headaches than it's caused. So that was that. That was that first initial big difference. Yeah. Well, just in conjunction with that. So the initial thought process operationally was, if you know, because we had a pre-screening process in place yes. at the same time. So we dropped the pre-screening process, went to the unaccompanied showing at the same time. And what I anticipated happening was when we dropped the pre-approval process, is that we would go from X hundred amount of applications per month. We dropped that. In, in excess of 60% is what I envisioned. Yeah. And what we've had is has been a higher percentage because in return, we've had more properties viewed, more people yeah. saying, hey, I want to put my application in on this property and there's mm -hmm. no pre-application. So so we've come out to where, you know, we, we've had about a 35% reduction mm -hmm. in, in property 
application submitted, that we have a higher acceptance or approval rate. Yeah. Because we're not doing the pre-apps and discovering, hey, you've got, uh, you know, your credit's challenged or whatever it might be. Uh, most people are disclosing that once they identify the property, it's like, okay, let's submit it. And not to say we approve 100% of applications, mm -hmm. but it's it's a higher percentage than we were before. Yeah, and I think one of the, 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 the big key to that, the part that, that matters to our investors and our clients is guess what? Days on market. That's what's dropped. Yeah. Do we do mean like I don't know? Days on market. It's, it's, it's 18, 18, 18 days on market. That is dropped. Five markets, so. That that is pretty excellent. I mean, because it, it was, was over 30. It was. It was uh 31, 32, yeah. and then we saw drops into the high 20s, low 20s, and down to 18. That's excited to see what it is. Now. Yeah, me too. So. And so so when we're looking at your big picture, the first thing is, of course, getting a tenant in the property. How, how are we going to? That's part of it. Yeah. During this, the other part that, that really like reared its head in COVID is people are cash strapped right yeah. now. Yeah. And what do we do with it? We come up we with two find solutions. A solution. <laughs> and we have just had podcasts on both. On Did we do simple bills yet? Is that we have done simple bills. Okay. So these things have, I mean, we've, we've discussed these prior to, I mean, I know I have a client that told me today, like, I just listened to your Rhino episode. I love it. That was a great episode. And they were yeah. opposed to it before this, to the episode. So yeah. It's like, okay. Yeah. Just, just listen to this. Just, just listen. Better. Just listen to this episode. Th those are, so that's, that's that new operation mindset that, I mean, your, your PM has to look at everything from, you can't stay stuck in your, yeah, your and, own world. And what we're referring to just loosely, for anybody that had kind of heard, I'd, I'd like oh, to go listen to the Rhino lay this example out. So it, basically what we're focused on is, is removing financial barriers to entry. Uh, it doesn't mean the applicant's less qualified or anything of that nature. So it's just a security deposit alternative uh, through an insurance program called Rhino. And basically, the example I gave uh, when we recorded was a Huntsville property moving in on the first day of the month at $1,500 a month. And by deploying Rhino and Simple Bills, as the example goes, and Simple Bills is utility management. And basically, when you, when you enter into a management contract with us as an owner, sign your property in, we enroll you in Simple Bills, and we get the utilities connected like we normally would. Mm -hmm. The difference is, at that time, those deposits, connection fees that you're paying, that's the one time they're paid for the duration of the time you're with us yep. under management. Until you move back in it, you yep. sell it, or so the, the some parties that doesn't have simple bills. The side benefit, uh, you have a benefit because you're not having to do that every time a tenant moves out and you're having to put utilities back on to facilitate turns and that sort mm -hmm. of thing and pay either pay additional deposits, connection fees, disconnect fees, whatever that might look like. The benefit to the resident is when they go to move in, they, as you know, if you move before, when you set up utilities, you're paying those same fees. And a connection fee. Connection, connection fee, fee, deposit Deposits. Fee. And uh, it's, so what you're doing is you're taking that off the table for the resident. So in the example I gave, $1,500 a month property, move in the first day of the month. Under normal circumstances, without any of these systems, you would pay $1,500 a month rent to us for the first month. Uh, security deposit equal to a month's rent, so that's another fifteen hundred. That's three thousand. And then in a Huntsville marketplace for Huntsville utilities, the three main utilities are three hundred dollar deposit and fifty dollars per connection. So that's four hundred fifty dollars. So thirty four hundred fifty dollars. The person that rented this property applied for Rhino, was approved uh, for one month's worth of coverage, 
and then they enrolled in simple bills. So their out of pocket was $10 for the month for Rhino. Yep. So that's 1510. So they're still mm-hmm. paying the first month of rent plus $10 in lieu of $1,500 security then deposit. $2,400. And then uh, it was $20 onboarding okay. for the simple bills plus $1,195 monthly okay. charge on that's that. It. So, so in essence, we'll call it $1,532 versus $3,450. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. Ridiculous. Yes. That and, pays for the move in. And what that well you're allowing what yeah. what most importantly you're doing is you're you're creating an environment with an applicant who doesn't have to hey i'm going to be moving i need to go ahead and save 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 a lump sum of money mm-hmm. just so i can make that movement before yeah. i even put my notice in right mm-hmm. uh you're creating an environment to where they can almost cash flow from one month straight into the next yeah. without much of an interruption and they're still gonna have to rent a truck still gonna have to do a few things they're moving stuff right, sure. they're moving but it's it. So all these all these ideas didn't spawn from COVID. They just kind of have been highlighted. Yes. Like as a reinforced. Re, so. Yeah, reinforced because it became a. Well, everything has changed. I mean, the amount of moving parts that go into property management from literal start the first time that you've sent an email to AHI Properties and you said, "Hey, Jonathan, I think I want you to manage my property," to the time that you get a check. And the, the time that you're renewing a tenant, the amount of moving parts that are in that, I mean, there's so many. I mean, we're, we're departmentalized for a reason because there's so many expert things that you need to happen. You got to have your intake walkthrough so that we know what the shape was of your property when we took it in. We've got to build you into all of our systems, which, yeah, it's one system, but it's one system added into you know, at well, tenant term subsystems. Yes, right. the subsystems yeah. associated with it. Then it's getting the property marketed, taking the pictures. And I mean, who, are we going to hire a professional photographer? Or are we going to send one of our guys out there to do it? Well, yes, we're going to, one of the two, likely we'll probably just send our guys out there. Move in walkthroughs, periodics. Walk periodics. And, it's, it's all these costs. work order, workflow. If we just went down a list of all the people, of all of the new systems and the new operational uh, ideas that we've had in the last year, if we just start from, if we start from the ones that we've already had. So if we say, uh, I mean, second nature, we've been using second nature for a while, but that also kind of goes into COVID. You need clean air. Yeah, we, well, I mean, we picked them up at the end of 2019. That's our obligatory so. second nature comment. <laughs> Roofstock also in Narpham, by the way, in case you're following along and you have your bingo card have out. Your count out, right? <laughs> or it's but a drinking game. It might be a drinking so. game. I think we should play it as bingo. <laughs> I'm going to listen back through the bingo card. But, I mean, it's you're all the systems that we've already talked about. Rhino, Simple Bills. We go on-site pros is something that we started recently. Not recently. This year. Yeah, right. this year. COVID year. So. Yeah, and so that that is your periodic, your walkthroughs, your move-in, your move-out inspections, just that ability to have someone get in there and take a picture of everything in a property. We know exactly what that property looked well, like. They call them as condition reports. Condition reports. Condition reports. That, yeah, they're condition reports. They're awesome. It gets all of that stuff done so that we know how much to charge someone. We know how those processes are going to work, and that ties into other processes that we have. Talk about box browning. We hadn't even talked about that, Brian. I don't know if we've said that to anybody. I don't even know if that's been said on the podcast. We've been using it for months. That oh, lets yeah. me, th- the most amateur of all amateur photographers. Yeah, and I'm writing that down as a future episode idea. So. We need it. Yes, yes. Let's talk box browning. No, the most amateur of amateur photographers. I, I mean, I can get out there and 
I understand what a house is supposed to look like. And if I need a property marketed in the next couple of days, I can go and click, 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 click. And I'll take a thousand pictures and hopefully out of that thousand pictures, I have 20 or so that are decent. But the point is I can take them and have our marketing team look them through and go, Jonathan, you've taken pictures of goofy stuff, but here's the 20 that we're going to use. Right. Send them to box browning when they look, eh, okay. Edit, enhance, bright colors. If your lawn's not the greenest green or Oh my gosh. Uh, that that has been huge. Like every, how, the, you know, if you take take pictures at the wrong time of the day when it's too bright and it's or if it's cloudy like it is cloudy, now, right? right. Let's make these things. Or here, if you're an owner and you've ever taken pictures inside the house, you know how like even though when you're standing there and you're looking at it, it's plenty bright, you can see stuff. But you take that picture and it's like everything's so dark. I can't see anything in this. What what color are even the walls? These are gray walls, but in this picture they look kind of taupe. Yeah, like I, box brownie just. I consider that an equalizer because it's even like now, again, depending on what time of the day you're taking pictures, soon, you know, our days will be shorter, will be dark mm -hmm. more quickly. So if you don't have a defined time during the day and you give your staff greater flexibility to get out and take these, everybody goes through the photography training. However, you know, we're, we're using equipment like everybody else and then mm -hmm. send it off and have having it enhanced and bring it back yeah. in for, for marketing. So. so, I mean, and if you look at some of our side-by-sides, the the ones that the, our professional team has taken, and we look, our professional photographer, he's significantly better than myself. But when you see like a side-by-side -side front picture where it's like, I just happened to have framed it just as half decently as, as Nathan has, you put them side-by-side, -side, the, the edited, what, what Box Brownie is doing, it's making it look almost as good as those $200 pictures that right. we ordered. That's right. I mean, and so, I mean, our average cost on box brownie is about 30 bucks mm -hmm. to have 22 pictures edited, cleaned up, brightened, defined. Have the ability to add, add furniture into the pictures. Well, that costs more. For everything does, that we do does, does cost, cost more. more. But you can. You can turn a TV it's on if you want to. You can put a fire in all the fireplaces. That is a, that is a default setting that I have in all of ours. We have a fireplace that has fire in it. I like it. But I mean, all these little things. So, so that's just one of those pictures in the giant cog of all these things we're doing. We can't even, that, that's just before we get to tenant turner, self showings, then Rhino, then, then simple bills. Now we've just got a tenant in the property. So, so that's, it takes all that. It takes at this point, 27 minutes worth of podcasting just to get a tenant in the property. Right. I mean, so, so, so then once the tenant's in the property, the next challenge we had related with COVID is when all the, the regulations started as mm -hmm. to federally backed mortgages, what you can or cannot do. Glad that we're not going to send out the video of this <laughs> one because my face just went, oh. Wow. And how many times that's changed. So you have the federal level stuff and then you have the state level stuff and then you have the local municipality or county level stuff. And uh, it's even like the latest update in, in Jefferson County, which is the county seat for Birmingham. And uh, I mean, the one thing that, that they're requiring under the, the CDC ruling is that the basically the affidavit mm -hmm. that prior to this ruling that came out earlier in the month from Jefferson County, uh, Jefferson County thought it'd be a great idea to, you, yeah, you can post eviction, you can you know, post at least termination notice saying, hey, you're, you're being evicted. But at the same time, you got to post that affidavit that they can fill Give out. Give them the tool to sign off your on it. And then you've got to put it in a stay until December 31st and sort it out then. Before then, it was hey, every, other, every other county we operate in is 
you don't have to give them the affidavit. They have to find it on their own. They have to present it to you. And once they present it to you, you submit it to the courts your, through your attorney, and then you get the state put in place. But otherwise, it's business as usual on evictions. So, and then HUD comes up with their own set of rules. So yeah. it's, it's, it's absurd. In three weeks, yeah, it's, it's, we've had four it's separate gone orders. From, it's gone from decent to bad to worse to terrible. And like I said, I, I wish that I had the the faith that everything was going to miraculously just work itself out as of January 1st. But I think we're going to see that can kick down the road another four months or so. That's uh, my prediction. And all the while, you know, there, there really is no there's no assistance built into it. And that's really what our, our lobby groups through our professional organizations what they're working on now is trying to motivate those politicians to agree upon something that resembles, first of all, for our clients who have mortgages on those properties, some assistance to them so they don't lose them in the foreclosure and create just a massive wave of foreclosed properties uh, next year at some point. And then also the, the, the renters and rental assistance for those that have been impacted. We're excited to tell you about our new partnership with Rhino. Rhino can replace security deposit requirements with an affordable insurance policy that the tenant pays instead of having to pay more money up front. The service is very straightforward and it was super quick to implement. We know that this is a no-brainer. If you're looking to increase your occupancy rate and increase your NOI by reducing your days on market, head to SayRhino.com today and check them out. Well, and I think one of the things that I was trying to explain this to my wife and I was like, well, we can't evict, you know, that, that's, that's the big scary issue right now. And my wife understands what we do. And you can for certain reasons, but yeah, yeah. non-payment is the one that's great. Sure. Correct. And, and that's the one that yeah. is the one that really matters right now anyways. And she was like, well, they don't have money. And, I, and she, my, you know, you know, Katie, she's, she's got a big old heart and Katie, if you're listening, I love you and stuff, but the, the point, you know, she's she's got that like she's caring about these people, and she's like, well, you can't just be cold and just y'all just act like all y'all want to do is evict, and that's literally what we're saying right here. It's like, no, 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 it's not about us wanting to evict. It's there is a cost to owning these houses. What we're we're not saying that hey, let us evict all we want. We understand why these tenants are having financial issues. That is not, a, it's well, the, the have, human have, factor is, we get that. The human factor is there's some that are legitimately impacted. Sure. And then there are those that are taking advantage of the situation. So that's where you have to True. figure out what's going on within that dynamic. And because we don't want to try and make judgment calls of right. who's telling the truth and who's not, that's, that's why it's like, that's not why we're saying that we want to be able to evict. We just feel like there needs to be some sort of relief with it common yeah and i don't that, want to get political we're not at all, but it's common sense relief uh, common sense relief guys for somebody that's affected you know there should be a protocol for qualifying if you tell someone they can't work you need to be able to give them something <laughs> if you say you can't work because there's a disease give them something but th that that is a that's a challenge and and you know i think uh, i've said this on prior episodes but Coming into COVID at first, no one knew what to expect. And then as March went by, March rent had already been paid by the time it impacted. So April was the month of concern. April came and went, 
we were pretty much right on track along with most, you know, high percentage of the management firms across the country. May was the next month. Same thing basically occurred. I think it was June. We started seeing a decrease a little bit in C-class assets and that, you know, those are your hourly workers, um, people that were most greatly affected by furlough or termination or reduced hours. And then July, kind of the same thing. So since basically since June 4, we've had to put some extra effort into that connection and communications points with our residents uh, in those classes so we can keep that that metric within range yeah. and, and view percentage of rent collected. It's still not as stark. Back, back I mean, as much as you and I are sitting here talking about the dangers of what has actually occurred and the issues, really from from a again 10,000 foot view when we're looking at it, it hasn't been as drastic no it's not as stark and it, it rental as rate, i thought it was going to have continued to, to climb yeah because it, it's kind of the perfect storm I, I think if you took some components out of it you wouldn't necessarily have the reaction we're having today but you have a housing shortage that you have more renters than ever and mm-hmm. that's driving that less construction which is adding to the housing shortage. I don't even want to talk about construction. <laughs> I mean, I do, but. But so, and then you have, you know, and then the other thing that happened is all of a sudden you've got people, it's like you're trying to manage your metric on lease renewals, but then you're realizing that, you know, a lot of people don't want to go anywhere because they, yeah. it's COVID. They don't want to move in the middle of COVID, some. But then the other side of that can was, what do we see happening? I mean, or leasing went, off the charts. Yeah, of course it did. Because people are like, okay, I'm going to move and I'm going to move now. I want to get in this house now. But once I get in it, I'm going to stay. Which, which properties do you have that are available? That one's pending. That one's pending. Okay, I don't, I don't even know which ones are pending. Yeah. Which ones can I move into? Yeah. Just find me a thing. And then that, that was great. If you dive into our systems in regard to that, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm backtracking a little bit, but just like with Tenant Turner, because I saw an email coming today, hey, you got a pending application on this property. Will I receive an email notification if anything happens with that application dropping through? Yeah. Absolutely. It's automated. Yeah. <laughs> it shoots everybody that any interest in that property. So I've got an email. This property's available. So those are some of the technology pieces and partnerships that we have that really optimize leasing. We're working diligently uh, through online payment systems. We've even got systems that, that we kick in, and we'll, that's another episode I'm going to write down that we need to do with PayLease as a payment option for retail payment. Yep. Uh, instead of having to come to the office, in some cases you have people that don't have necessarily have bank accounts, and this gives them the ability to go to a retail outlet, make a payment in cash or whatever, and it converts it to electronic payment into our system. So there's a lot, a lot that goes into it. And then, you know, if we're talking through that whole cycle, just that workflow management, once those requests come in from the resident and handling that, our emphasis on, you know, keeping those within staying a, on top of things. Yeah, staying on top of it. Keep them within a 30-day box. Obligatory global strategic club. 30-day sandbox. <laughs> and uh, and once, once they're done and our VAs are assisting us in doing this and communicating and scheduling and getting feedback and surveys back in, just making sure we're using the best vendors that we can be using. We're taking care of the request. We're facilitating our duties to our client and, you know, some of what's been affected right now. And I would say the message right now without support for landlords, there is some thought consideration being given to 
you know, how do you handle deferred maintenance? And that's really up to the individual investor mm-hmm. and their appetite. But one of the, I don't want to call them the proof practice, but one of the practices that's not necessarily frowned upon. If you're doing necessary maintenance, yes. Yeah. If you're doing deferred maintenance right now, scaling that back to save some of that money, and we'll push it off a little bit mm-hmm. and we'll keep it on our radar and then circle back to it when, when times return to a little bit of normalcy. And, and I think speaking, not just in the deferred maintenance pop, you know, pocket of what we're talking about here, but, but kind of how you were starting with that whole thing. I don't remember if it was a phone call that we had with a, a new client or if it was just an internal conversation or if it was on another podcast that we did. But one of the points that you were making is I understand that not every person has the financial capability or, or the size to be able to implement all of these things like we have. We happen to, because of our ability to undertake some larger cost items, things that are going to, we have an ability to invest in ourselves in a way to implement yeah, I mean, the practice, a lot of pieces the to help us I, get better than a lot I of I started people. learning probably eight years ago within NARPM through NARPM members that have been in the organization for a while. NARPM plug. NARPM plug. <laughs> was, you know, initially was on board no more than three things every six months. Mm-hmm. And I think we've tightened that up to where we're trying to onboard about once a quarter. And sometimes we get a little overlap, but that's okay. But new systems, new internal procedures, always improving your operation yeah. and learning from other people. Uh, and, you know, you'll hear me talk about case study, and the case case study really refers back to, to other management firms that I, I talk to their bro- broker owners and understand, you know, what were their pain points? I'm trying to avoid those pain points. What are the benefits of it? Was it worth it? You know, what kind of reactions are you getting from your resident side, your owner side, that sort of thing? So allowing us to to take a best practice approach to implementation and setting it up for success and not for failure. And all the while, it's it's speaking to efficiency, professionalism, really optimizing, as I've said a couple times now, it's it's not about your house compared to the house next door as much as it is about creating that stickiness factor with mm-hmm. your resident and really creating extra value. And that's what that means is creating the extra value as to why they want to rent your home over ABC Realty's yeah. property next door. And, and that's, I mean, that that's ultimately what it comes down to is being able to move with the times. I mean, yeah, you're, you're creating stickiness factors, but the way that we do that, we're constantly improving. And I, I like the COVID terminology, the, the yeah. pivot. Yeah. You know, being able to pivot. That's right. That, that's truly what it is. It's being able to change direction. And whether it's slightly or because we, you and I both know people that that are so stuck in their ways that you introduce some of these ideas to them. And we know, nah, we've been, we've been doing it this way for 45 years. We're not changing now. If they're, if they're not giving me cash dollar bills on the first of the month where we're going to go take a door off of hinges or, you know, we don't know anybody that's doing that. But our point is we know people that don't stories about people doing it. told some stories about people doing something similar, but neither here nor there. But when we're talking about, it's just that that desire to change. There's a reason that we are the size that we are. There's a reason that we do this podcast. It's the reason that we do everything that we do. It's designed to 
not just grow, but it's the design to get better, to constantly improve. Because if we're not improving, it's a conscious choice to not improve. You have to make that decision of this is I'm, I'm as good as I'm going to be. And this is all I'm willing to do. If you can't listen to someone say, well, I found an interesting thing that might make this better for you. If you won't be open-minded enough to listen to it and consider their points, why not? Like, it just yeah, doesn't well, make a lot and, of sense. And I'm going to take a moment to plug an upcoming episode that we're going to record actually next week. Um, not sure when it will release, but it's going to be with an operator out of Atlanta. Uh, Skyline Properties and Didi Lee, and uh, shout out Didi, shout out the Didi. So Didi is taking part in a mastermind group, and I had referred to this earlier. Uh, and I had a conflict, so I wasn't able to attend it. But and that's the kind of thing that that occurs, whether it's on a national level or it's a tighter group of operators that are trying to be best in class operators and learn from each other's mistakes and successes. That's what we're going to bring in, and we're going to talk about you know, how she conducts her operation. And she's a, she's another operator that is very forward thinking. We actually have a, yeah. a client common and uh, that that's a uh, love the client and uh, do do some great work with them. And, and we were happy to make that connection. So, but anyways, we, we are both kind of cut from the same cloth, our company and theirs. And, and the fact that we are always looking to improve and that's, I don't, I don't think you should ever kick back and just be satisfied with how you're conducting it. Get stuck in that rut of, hey, mm-hmm. we've been doing the same thing for 40 years. Yeah. Because um, we could certainly do that. I can tell you that, you know, I always said. We can coast where we're at coast, right now. Not that's do it. Anything. Take your foot off the accelerator and, and be happy. We can all make our paychecks on Fridays yeah. and be done. But that's not, that's really not what it's all about. It's about the, the challenge and keeping your staff engaged, be the best team that they can be and helping us all realize the potential that we have and in learning and uh and just gaining uh, both the skill set the skills the skill set the experience uh and overall the knowledge to be better property managers so that's all of our goal as a team across our platform and uh and i appreciate everybody jumping on that train with me well that that also goes hand in hand with the investors the investors can't stay in the same no. same realm either i mean i was reading a blog of uh, a guru. Well, it's like, it's kind of like that. You can't treat sure. you can't treat the market like it no, was back in 08. No, you it's not because it's not the same thing. Right. But but we're we're looking at these investors, and I, I had an investor tell Joe actually about a year ago. Joe's given them some really good advice, some astronomically smart advice as to systems that they need to go back and look at and take part of uh, an evaluation as to which ones of these items we're going to do. This is something that's really going to hinder your property from renting and blah, blah, blah. And of course he was, I, I've been investing for 25 years. I don't need to do all that. I'm, I, don't, I know how to do this. I don't need any of your advice. I just need you to collect the rent and give it to me. And I mean, of course, you know how Joe took that, yeah. but same way I would, same way I would. And it's, it's just that, I don't like to use the word ignorance often, but the willful ignorance of not understanding that times change. Yeah. It's, it's the same thing as and we're going to get to the TPPR, but it's the same thing as if I rent a property at $850 a month in 2012, and that tenant's been in there since 2012. Dude, you are setting up the segue. Into I'm aware that I am. I, <laughs> I am our comptroller, Brian. This is my design has been in my head since we started recording. Awesome. It's, it's if I put a tenant in there at 850, 2012, and I go to hit another renewal in 2020, 
and I see they're paying $850 a month, Brian, I'm having a heart attack. I am very frustrated if, if I've just well, got to see that. Because you, you could have a property manager that says, I'm going to take the easy route. And the easy route would be, hello, Mr. Tenant. Would you like to renew for 12 months at the exact same rate you're paying now? What are you going to say to that? Well, yeah. Yeah. Man, I heard the real estate market's hot. That's awesome. Yeah. Look, I've got a great deal in this yeah, house. My neighbor's paying a lot more than that. So. Well, no kidding they are because the markets change. But that is the easy, lazy approach for somebody to do lease rentals. So the next easiest, way, laziest is to look at the market rent every time and go, eh, market rent. Let's just look at the market, see what's the market doing. And Oh, I know. And, and if you're looking at the market, I get, I take that back. The second next laziest is to go, well, I, the last time I rented a property in that area, it was worth $850. And I put this, the last time I did it, it was eight fifty. Hey, guess what? Yes, yeah, let's just jump it up. No research needed. No, no just research. Gonna, yeah, just, I'll get because the, la the last time I rented the property in that area, it was this. Well, the last time I rented the property, it was this property. Dummy, look into it. I mean, and we've seen that we've had internal issues that were, that were the same way of, I know how much those rent for. I mean, my real estate partner, the mindsets. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and my real estate partner, Kim, and you know, Kim, two, about two years ago, when we, when me and her started working together from an investment standpoint, we started working with investor clients, consulting, trying to get into some of these markets is basically East Lake. I'm going to talk about East Lake every episode. I don't care. It's a good, it's a good example. It's like <clears throat> it's a good yeah, but we need an East Lake podcast now. So we we're talking specifically. I was telling her the returns that I'm seeing in East Lake. She's like, I know how much properties rent for in East Lake. I, I've I've been doing real estate for 20 years. I know what those are worth. Jonathan, you can't tell people that those properties are worth thirty, forty thousand dollars. They're not. You can only get three hundred dollars a month rent out of them. That's not worth any. That's not worth any more than that. And I'm like, Kim, when was the last time you sold the house in East Lake? She goes, I don't know. It's been 10, 15 years. Yeah, have you looked at it lately? No, I, I know how much they're worth. They're, they're just not worth that. Kim, I'm sorry to pick on you. you, you we remember we had this conversation. But now, now also, if you want to know anything that's going on in Birmingham, who do you ask? We ask Kim because she does know a lot of this stuff. But we started doing the research. And if you do the actual research, look at it. you got to look at it every time because values change, not just yearly. No, both macro and micro level stuff. Does, they, so. they change constantly. Yeah. So you have to, you have to verify Maybe you have an idea, but you verify. The other day, I got a roof stock request, obligatory roof stock, asking me what the value of uh, a certain property was. And of course, in my brain, it was a center point property. I'm like, I know how much those are worth. And I almost just like, yeah, it's about this. But no, why would I not do my But of course, I pulled up. Was I right? Yeah, I was right. But you have to verify. If you're not verifying the market rents, you're not doing anyone a service. Now we're going to talk about the TPPR. That, that's our segment. Great segue into it. Yeah. It is. So, so we created a policy when I, was, uh, when I was in quarantine and I had some time on my hands to play with Excel spreadsheets and to look at some policies. We created a policy and, and we, we named it the Tenant and Property Performance Report. Mm -hmm. It's something that we essentially have had done. Yeah, all the data was all there. All the data was there. It was a thing that we, we did. It was just the putting it together in a report and putting it together in a solid proceduralized method so that everybody can follow it the exact same way and repeat the process. Um, 
it, it's the way that we do our renewals. That, that's what this whole thing is. So if you've got a property, hey, you bought a property, hey, you've gotten it to us, we've done a little intake, we've done all the stuff, hey, we got a tenant in there. Now it's time to renew. This is that still we're on the 10,000 foot view of every cog that goes into this giant working wheel. We get to this TPPR time or we get to that renewal time frame. I mean, if, you're, if your property manager is not charging you a renewal fee, they probably aren't earning it is what I'm getting to. Right. right. We charge a renewal or they're fee. A part-time realtor. Or they're a part-time realtor and they don't know yeah. what to do. We charge a renewal fee. Right. We very intentionally charge a renewal fee because we do more than just sign off a new lease. We don't just say, that nah, was 850 last time, it's 860 now. That's not what we do. Brian, what a, the amount of effort that goes into the TPPR is not what we're charging for. It's the full knowledge and the full gamut and the entire policy that goes into no, this. Because there, there this. is accountability tied to the TPPR. And so the best way to describe it, it's really the benefit. You roll it out year one, you get some resistance from the tenants because it's gauging performance, tenant performance, first and foremost, payment history, number of violations mm -hmm. they've received during the lease term. That could be a lease violation. It's an HOA violation. Yeah. It kind of depends on what uh, violation you may pet. Yeah. You know, it could be a variety of different things. Insufficient funds is a violation yep. that gets tagged. Violation, out. anything that has put them on notice from the management company that they're in violation and they have to, to cure the default. Mm -hmm. The other thing would be the condition of the property. So we're monitoring, we have a property reference point at their move-in. We're looking at periodic. Uh, how are they caring for the property? Mm -hmm. And all that information is blended together with the market. Absolutely, the market analysis. The market analysis on the property. So where you get the resistance is initially, if you analyze the property, and I'll let you go into some of the details as mm -hmm. we get there, but if you analyze the property and say the tenant's been late twice, they're not delinquent now, but they've had late payments two times, they've, um, they've received one violation during the lease term, and on the periodic, they have damaged two items. Sure. Okay. So maybe they didn't change the air filter okay. because guess what? This property wouldn't yet signed up for sure. second nature, yeah. second nature plug. Yeah. Um, hey, yeah. yeah. There you go. And then something else. And um, bingo to somebody. Bingo. That's right. <laughs> um, so all that goes in, into uh, into the equation, into the analysis, and then we apply the market information on the property itself. So the resistance comes when you're you're indicating to that person, it's like, hey, we've done our, our process for renewal and based on this performance review, your new rate will be X, yeah. which is higher than, than Y was. Well, and we're, you're always gonna get that resistance. I, I, I don't know any property manager. I mean, Stephanie was saying like, we don't get resistance, so we just say sign under don't. And that's very funny. But the reality is you can never tell someone, hey, you have to pay more and they're, happy about it nobody's happy right. about having to pay more right but and the, the way that i the way that i walk new clients through the tppr i mean it's a scorecard that's what your tenant is essentially getting we are giving you a report card on your tenant right a report card on your tenant and a report card on your property it's the two things that we're doing and we venn diagram the thing to say this is what that tenant should be paying we're going to give you a range we, we always work in ranges because i'm not going to set your rent price i'm not going to set your sales price you do that, owner. Yeah, and given, this is the things that make sense. And given the current situation that we're in as a country and as 
globally. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can, I think it's safe to say that. Yeah. You know, there's other factors to consider into that. But again, we're giving you a range. It's like you can choose to stay on the high end of that or the bottom end of it or somewhere in the mm-hmm. middle. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I think also. And it's that, tied to the score. I don't know if that was ever clear. Yeah, it wasn't clear, but it's tied to the overall score. Yeah. And those factors are benchmarked out in overall scorecards. Mm-hmm. So, and then the owner decides. So, and kind of where it's beneficial is that once that initial shock comes across to the resident saying, hey, here's going to be your new rental rate. We've worked through it. We've got a signed lease agreement from that date forward. Mm-hmm. That resident knows, hey, I'm going to be scored for next yeah. year. And and I think our new tenants, when we had let them know that that, like from the initial lease up, when we explain yes, it, yes. you know, that, that makes them go, oh, okay. And I think we've seen yeah, just because of the periodics that we've had since we've explained this to tenants. I've got to pay my rent on time. I can't get any violations. And I need to make sure that yeah. I keep the property in good condition, which are all beneficial to yeah. us and to the owner. Well, and, and, and you'll hear things like, is this going to affect my score? Maybe, maybe not. It depends on what you ha- how you handle this. Now, we're hearing that now. You know, does this affect my score coming up? You know, yes, that will, or this won't, or no, that's not an issue. But it's kind of the way that I was explaining to, uh, oh, I don't remember what client this was, but I was first walking through somebody through this, and they're like, well, I don't want to let, you know, if, if they're scoring, be- scoring below an eight, well, I don't want to keep them in my property because it's a 10-point basis score. Mm-hmm. Most of our tenants fall in like the seven and a half range. Most of them do because that's, pretty average realistically right. and i was explaining to him because it's meant to be simultaneously harsh but also simultaneously forgiving which is interesting because every because it's all averaging it's averaging a bunch of points if you're late on rent even a day that's a point that's one point that you're going to get we're going to add up all those points and we're eventually going to take an average it's dropping you to a nine right off the bat drops you to a nine yeah. if you cause damage in a property damages go from scuffs and stains and little things like that up to you know full out damage up you know ran a car through the house from front to back okay well that's a bigger point and obviously we're going to address that at that and if, point. yeah of course but but it's it's you can't live in a house if you if you there's no such thing as a perfect tenant that's scoring a 10 because the thing is a perfect homeowner living in a house of course because you can't live in a house you can't physically live in a house and not discolor carpet or Put a scuff on a wall. Yeah, into a wall. You're gonna. Right. That, and that's what it's meant to take into account. But also, that's why the scoring is based on the percentages that they are. Mm-hmm. Is based on, okay, we understand that you're living in this house. So we're giving you that, that benefit of the doubt of, we, we get it. That's why we're pricing it the way we are. It, it, even up until you're, you're below a six, I'm not going to hit you at full market rate. Right. So the full market rate is, is I'm putting it back on the market. It's worth not renewing with you to put it back on the market to get this new market rate. Right. You're almost always, if you're scoring above a six, which very few people drop below a six, but if you're scoring above a six, you're not even hitting market rate. Just the way that it's calculated, you're getting an increase, but you're not hitting market unless the market has not increased. Right. Right. I mean, and there's factors that go into that if the market hasn't increased, which we don't have any markets that haven't increased in rent, though. So I haven't seen no, that yet. No. But there is. Uh, but, but I would also say that, that the other, you know, to kind of piggyback on what I was saying earlier, the performance metric it draws in is that it's focused on rent collection, which is going to decrease delinquency. Mm-hmm. So owner benefit. Also, they're going to stay in compliance with covenants and lease requirements to avoid that violation benefits the owner 
And then the, the lastly, uh, they're going to take better care of the property, which is going to reduce turn cost, maintenance cost, eventually when they do move out mm -hmm. or while they're in the property. And then, because the other thing they can get, you know, it's like I looked at one from Huntsville the other day, and there was a, a little bit of a score drop because there was some exterior damage to the property along the eve mm -hmm. that was not reported by the yeah. tenant. So that's the tenant responsibility because they're living there mm -hmm. in between our inspection periods yeah. to be able to identify that, report it back to us so we can proactively address it and, you know, limit any damage to the property. So, so all the while, everything's geared toward allowing for better tenant and a tenancy taking better care of your property. And that's what you're getting once that lease is renewed for each year going forward. Yeah. And so you're trying to, ideally this is meant to be, you know, implemented so that it, it, it begins this process of collecting this data and analyzing it, you know, 90 days before the, you know, or yeah, about 90 days before 90 the lease days. is going to finish. Yep. So you've already had your periodic at that point. You've already seen at least, you know, you've got yeah, year one, you've already got two, most of your, your payments done. Right. You, got, you, got, you know, you know how they're treating the property at that point. Right. And so that's when it can be really shined where we go, this is the perfect version of this. What we've, I think our biggest issues that we've had with it is tenants that have been in, you know, the same property for a long period of time. We do have some that just, their rent never got increased a, a significant amount. And they're, we're not perfect property managers. We try to be. Right. Or just, those dings weren't necessarily there for this term. And then it requires us to look backwards at some of the other yeah. uh, walkthrough. Absolutely. And so it's that, that's where we're seeing like the largest resistance, but that's why you have to have the human factor in it. Mm -hmm. The whole thing is a guide. That's why you pay us a renewal fee is because we, we've got to, because yeah, we bring in that negotiation. Piece yeah. So well, I'm not just going to, I mean, if I didn't pay you, if you didn't pay me a renewal fee, maybe I'd give you the spreadsheet and say, work it out. This is, this is the math, work it out for yourself. But the reason that you pay us or the reason why our clients pay us a renewal fee is because we look at it, then we analyze it. Then we look at the situation and we put some human factor into it. Well, why did they, a tenant that would have been like a nine, out of 10 tenant for the majority of their lease, why did they suddenly drop to a six? Oh, COVID happened. Yeah. They, they yeah. lost their job. So they have three months of late rent that they did pay. That's three points deducted off of it. And then they did in the property for you know nine years. So yeah, and, and the, the initial report moved, took in move in and latest periodic and you, well, it's nine years difference. You can't look back through all those things. Right, right. So it, there, there is some human element that has to be, associated with it but it, the the entire process is designed to protect that asset and to get the most profit out of a property that you can and yet still be in performance in performance so and, and, and to still those are not always tied together but not. often they are so. but but it's to still also be human not be some Right. Evil over not a robotic of, answer. You're not a robot. It's not the the, the samurai sword. Here it is. Whoosh. Yes or no? Yeah. Get out. Yeah. But I mean that that's the and, and a lot of it is in how it's presented. Also, as well to the tenant, mm -hmm. and sometimes it takes some delicate hand to explain. Well, you you know, like, do you deny that you missed these rents? Yeah. No. Okay. Well, here's your move-in report. Here's our periodic report. You see how there's this hole in this wall? Yeah, my son punched a hole in it. Okay, you see how you had a pet in here and that violated this notice? Yes, remember how you signed that no pet? Yes, 
So you see why your score is a 6.9? Mm -hmm. Yes. So, so next time when we do your next renewal, just make sure that these things get handled. And you can go from a 6.9 right now. You can go to a 9. It doesn't matter. Change, the other thing we're seeing is a lot of owners are, are not sticking at the high end of that. They're, of course. They're, they're bridging the, the difference somewhere. Mm -hmm. So what that's also doing for us is building a rapport between us and the resident. Mm -hmm. Because it's like, okay, I know I did all these things you just described, but well, you guys went to bat for me. And you could have been, it could have been higher. Yeah but it's not, and I yeah. appreciate that. So you're building that relationship between us and the resident. And if you put it back to that resident to give them the perspective of, well, this is the current actual market value. Right. This is what you've been paying. We just want to increase you to here yeah, because of, of these, the property, these, these, these Here's what you're going to be paying in that new property. If you move in next door, you're paying this. Yes. Yeah. Plus, you also have these issues that have dinged you to make you more of a risk than you were when you initially moved in. So maybe we should, uh, you know, come into final thoughts. And I would, I would say. We didn't do Golden Nuggets yet, Brian. Golden Nuggets. You see, I, I see, I listened to the podcast. I missed the last one. I should have listened I, to I, it. You participated, were, but you I, were the one who, I didn't listen. You were the one who said we wanted to have Golden Nuggets out of every episode that are separate from final thoughts. Oh, I got you. I got you. So it's, it's your actionable items. And I think actionable the most items. actionable item out of this it's not our final thoughts our final thoughts i have a different final thought okay. but in my opinion our golden nugget out of this one the the actionable item from this episode that i think is really important is to actually take all of the data all of the operational reports and look at what is the most um automatable factors that you can do. If you're an investor, the most automated thing you can do is give, find a property manager that can do these, these items for you right. in an automated fashion or however they're doing it. But, but that automation is my golden nugget out of this, in my opinion, is find the things that the amount of time sink that we have day to day going back from, hey, I sent this thing out. Did you get that email that I sent you? Yeah. Yes you didn't respond so I wasn't sure so I didn't move to this next step well, yeah because I was doing this other thing oh now I've got to go check and make sure that this thing happened you created a domino effect of time sink trying to do anything that's not fully automated right and so and that's why we have all these systems in place that we talked about our technologies and systems in place that we have are to erase wasted time yeah and we're constantly focused on optimizing this. yes or creating bigger and better processes. Yeah. My golden nugget would be, as the investor listening, uh, would be to focus on, if, if you have the availability to hire um, a best-in-class property management firm, one that's focused on technology, processes, communication, mm -hmm. and creating the stickiness factor. Yeah. So not only for the resident, but also for the owner. Mm -hmm. um, that would be my takeaway um, as an action item. That, yeah. That's what I would challenge everybody to do because there's a huge difference between, I don't want to pick on mom and pop operations because ultimately when we started, that's what we were. Yeah. But understanding um, that there's a lot more uh, to the industry than knocking on the door and collecting the rent check. Well, there's there's cost prohibitive solutions to a lot of things that some people just can't afford. I mean, right. mom and pop can't afford, you know, all the systems that we have in place in a lot of cases. 
yet a lot of the systems they might actually, be able to put some personal touch on some <clears> stuff and do, provide some really concierge style services some of the systems we use will not necessarily service a uh, you know some an operator with 20 properties for instance yep you've got to have a minimum number in order to participate in the, in the programs and the technology pieces of it um but not all i mean there's several that that were, are available to individual mm-hmm. investors so I think my, my final thoughts, I'm getting toward that because we, we're, we're over an hour. Yeah. I mean, my, my final thoughts on this is just look into all the operations that are going through these things. I mean, yeah, my action item is definitely to find the most optimization that you can with, with automated systems or what have you. But if you're, if you are using a property manager right now in any market that there is, it doesn't matter if you're in. Alabama or wherever, look at your property manager's operations. Do they have an operations manual? Do they have policies and procedures that they have written down? Are they able to perform the same level of service from if they are in multiple markets? And I know a lot of people aren't, but if they have markets in, you know, Tunica, do they have the same uh, level of service in, I don't know, Jackson? Jackson, perfect, yeah. Yeah, I mean, do they have the same level of service between all those things? Are you getting the same product? Is it just a name? Right. Is it just a name tag that somebody's bought a franchise? Yeah, between there, there's some franchises out there that everything's going to be different, whether you're going from this franchise and this city or the other. There might be some different things. So final thoughts are your property manager needs to have the same mentality that you do going into this. And so they need to be able to perform in – a way that fits your investment strategy. And, and that should be through reporting and the same level of service, regardless of where it is, so that it is seamless between your strategy and what they're able to provide for you. Right. right. So my final thoughts would be, uh, and this really could be an action item, um, more I think about it, but my recommendation to all of our listeners is, you know, 2020 has been interesting, to say the least. And I would say when you identify a resource that keeps you updated and informed on what's going on and allowing you to pivot as an investor, just as we pivot as a management firm and brokerage, um, stay connected. Stay connected to that. Um, Try to find those out there. Uh, that are going to give you that information because as I started, uh, I believe when I started my explanation, it's like, I, you know, I can't imagine trying to be an individual owner operator, trying to self-manage or a management company that's not plugged in, trying to navigate these tumultuous times and and just the changes that are coming at us week to week. Um, And really it's, it speaks to the reason why you should hire professional manager uh, and firm. And uh, anyways, I wanted to uh, just impart that with everybody. And, uh, you know, I, I would say just just keep plugged into us. We'll, we'll keep providing education pieces, mm-hmm. talk about new systems that are available. Um, well, I think I think our our podcast, I think it it spans more than just our markets. I think that our, our items, the stuff that we talk about, the, the solutions that we have, I think that's, that's it's great information no matter which market you're in, no matter where you're going, no matter what you're doing, it still applies. Because we're, we're large enough that we have enough experience to know, I mean, this is going to apply everywhere. 
I mean, th there's going to be local flavor to everything. Right. There's going to be numbers that are going to change. Well, we have access to friendships with broker yeah. owners that are, have firms that are a lot larger than ours that are doing it maybe even better than we are. Yeah. As well as smaller firms. So we did kind of both both sides of it. Mm -hmm. but, uh, Anyways, the most important thing is until next time. Until next time, keep buying, keep learning, and keep earning. Thank you, everyone. Great episode, man. Thanks so much. Today, we are busier than ever and struggling to do more while adding value. Global Strategic understands the value of your time. By leveraging custom business process solutions, you can focus on your core competency and save time and money. If you've been dealing with a lost productivity due to sudden staff departure, high rates of turnover, or staff that don't share your vision, they can help. With offices in the U.S. and the Philippines, they provide dual-shore 24-7 coverage for their valued partners. If you need to save time and money, but you're not sure how, just give them a call at 855-731-4966 or visit globalstrategic.com for more information. The songs Lobby Time, Retro Future Clean, and Rocket Power were created by Kevin McLeod of Incomputech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. Visit creativecommons.org licenses by 3.0 on the web.